Hey guys, welcome back. No ride around. Uh, we got a heck of an episode for you guys today. Um, gonna go a little unique. We're gonna give you guys something to to walk away with, primarily because entertainment has really fallen off <laughs> the edge of the fucking earth. Yeah, there's when, not there's dude, not a lot out there. When no <laughs> bullshit. When Tiger King is the most talked about, like. That's some backwards ponytail hillbilly tiger licking face fucking weird shit. It, but have you watched it? No, I did. I watched it. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. I watched the first episode, <laughs> and I kind of felt the way I feel when I walk in and Abby's watching the Kardashians, <laughs> where I'm like, instantly I need a shower and I need to cleanse my mind of my impression of my wife. Like it. Like I got done watching the first episode and I go, that shit's gonna make us stupid. You know, I. <laughs> So Colin for weeks was telling me about this show and I'm just like, what on earth, what are you even talking about? It's like somehow it just hadn't hit my radar at all. And he's like, you like, he got mad at me. He's like, dude, you need to go home and you need to watch it. Cause I need somebody to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he, like he needed a support group to talk about this shit. And so I went home and I didn't even ask my wife Molly, if there was any interest there, because I just knew what the answer was going to be, um, which was no. Um, and I kind of I didn't watch it all at once. It was one of those things I did like late night after the house was asleep, right? Like almost with the lights off and like a blanket <laughs> like, over my head, like, like Sol- Sol- Zachary Solomon's Red Shoe Diaries, <laughs> just like. <viewing. laughs> but like there was enough shame that I didn't want to do it while anybody in the house was awake. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're hiding it. Um, but it was one of those things where like every episode I'm like, okay, surely it can't get weirder. And then the next episode just outdoes it. I mean, it's amazing TV people. You need to watch it. Okay. Well, so <laughs> the purpose of bringing that up, which I lost my purpose there was, uh, it doesn't take a lot to be entertaining. So it really doesn't. we, uh, we're going to branch out just a little bit, um, today on our episode and we, and we want to do, we're gonna do a little bit of history. Um, and this is something that I wanted to talk about a lot, and I brought it up with Harley a few times. Um, but I wanted to talk about it because I'm really into history, period, and I think it helps give a lot of perspective. And uh, we decided to do something with Mill Rider on this year did. that is huge. Um, timing is kind of shitty. <laughs> timing is awful. <laughs> but it's huge, and um, because of that, we want to give some background to it. So before we get into that announcement, um, we're going to tell you the purpose of the episode. We're going to talk about cycling clubs kind of where do they come from and why and uh and what they provide bike riders yeah and you've been jazzed about this one for a couple of months now yeah totally and um it's it's a rare occasion that you're the one with like some real burning to d- desire to do a specific kind of episode yeah yeah i'm usually just like let's talk about whatever yeah let's just sit down and bullshit and uh and so this one's been high on your radar for a while now, and we just we haven't been able to get to it for a number of reasons. Um, and uh, the question I had to before we we jump off because you've got two books and a litany of show notes here. <laughs> um, help me, and I guess by extension, help the listeners understand what what's the difference between. 
a team and a club as it pertains to psych? Like, where does that line get drawn? Yeah, so it's pretty neat. Okay, the the bulk of the background from for my desire to this episode came from this book by Michael Hutchinson, uh, which is it's called Recyclists: Two Hundred Years on Two Wheels, and this guy takes the history of the bike racer. So not of the cyclist or not of bikes, like how bikes were engineered, but the actual racer himself. and goes from the, the beginning of time with racing on bikes to today. And I read this book just out of a desire of A, a fan of history, B, a fan of bikes. And so I'm like, this is going to be cool. While reading it, I felt like transported back into late 1800s, you know, Victorian era, super cool time period, which I think is just really interesting. And um, to answer your question, clubs started before racing ever even existed. Okay. Now, by default, if you have two dudes that have anything <laughs> from like bikes to a straw with spit wads, there's going to be a competition. Somebody's right? going like, to win like, something. Yeah, like I bet you I can hit that freaking girl in the cheek. I bet you can't <laughs> hit her in the cheek. <laughs> hit her in the cheek, right? Done. Like. So there's going to be competition once you have two of anything. And so um, that did naturally happen. But the idea of the clubs came around a time when there wasn't entertainment, you know, easily available. Right. I just read this stat the other day, which was was pretty wild. Um, I'm from Iowa. The state of Iowa had um, – they had one playhouse – for every 1,500 residents of the state at one point in time. There were hundreds of playhouses throughout the state of Iowa where people were employed to go and act out scenes, so act out Actual stories, plays. Actual, okay. actual like, playhouses. Like, what the hell is a playhouse? Right. Right. I get it. Get it. Right. Got it. And the, reason you're, and the reason you like have that stumble, like, what the hell is a playhouse, is because we don't have any fucking playhouses, yeah. right? Like, yeah. we've got Denver Center of Performing Arts, and the prices are super expensive. Do you go there? I've been <laughs> right, but I don't go there. <laughs> Every time I go, I'm like wildly entertained. Yeah. Like we have a, a a member of our at E3 that runs the opera house. It's awesome to go occasionally, but we don't have them back then. That was the only entertainment, right? right. That was the way to tell stories. And you get movie theaters now. You have Netflix, and fucking, there'll never be a playhouse ever again, right? So, cycling clubs are kind of the same way. You didn't have interaction so broadly available. Mm-hmm. And this brought organization to it. And then as you know, as you learn, as you go through the history of it, it brought like social tiers and then designations, like what type of club are you? Right. Um, and then there were clubs that had more racers. There were clubs that were more affluent. There were clubs that were fastest or more daring, right? right. And so right. Um, it became just a way to, it was gangs, man. Yeah. The, and it's funny because like every now and again, I, you know, watch a movie or watch a tv program and you know imagine a scenario in the show something's going wrong i'm like man why didn't they just call them and it's like they can't it's like <laughs> this this show was set in a time where you can't just call them on their cell phone but like phones exist like imagine that to the nth degree like right. you just have to have defined meeting times with a defined group of people and you're all gonna do that thing together yeah, that's dude. What you're saying, you're kind of you're jumping, which is awesome. That's how it worked. So the local newspaper would like that was the core means of disseminating information. Okay, and they would post when the group ride was, what the distance was going to be, what the route was going to be, where to be. Mm-hmm. Um, if a new club started, there was like, hey, there's a new club, and then people would you know apply to be part of this club. So 
there was a whole culture and world around these cycling clubs, and it really brought cycling from an individual activity or like an inventor tinkers activity because somebody had to create these things, right? Right. Like, I think the you sent me an article in the the first line of it um, that really hit home for me was the first sentence: the chain driven bicycle was patented in 1873, and tarmac was not patented until 1902. Crazy. You're like, bike's been around for a hot minute, but Dude. there was a bunch of like, as weird as cyclists as a whole are perceived in the more mainstream culture of the US, as weird as we're considered now, imagine how weird you were in 1860 before there was a real patent for these things. And Dude. like, it was like, you were a kook, you were the town maniac. You were a circus freak, <laughs> for sure. Um, and some of the bikes they had, like, what I think if, like, as a listener, you guys think of like the oldest bike in your head, and you're probably going to think of the dude with like the twisty mm. mustache on the big penny farthing. There's like yeah. one guy around town, Denver, yeah. who does that, right? Like the big giant wheel uh, up front and the little wheel on the back. Yep. He's a fucking weirdo. Yep. Um, that's not the oldest bike. There were bikes before that. Yeah. So there was the Velocipede, which was they didn't have pedals or a chain. Right. You just like it was like a Strider, like a running bike for adults. Right. And so. <laughs> They actually referred to it as the bone shaker. Bone shaker, right? That was the name of it. It was a fucking bone shaker. Like that was the bike. And so, you know, you, you it went straight mm-hmm. until it didn't go anymore. Yep. You know, um, so the history of these things and the in like the the way they became such a a marker for kind of our, our history as like groups of people mm-hmm. is really interesting. It's really cool, you know. And and so that's why it was important to me because I, it makes this thing more important than the things we fickle about with our bikes today. Oh yeah. Right. Like, cause we fickle about some really small, like I was with this downtime that we have. Yeah. Um, you've you, fickled all of your bikes, all of my bikes. And I've fixed bikes that had sat dead in my garage. I just took inventory and I'm, I'm going to say it cause I don't even give a shit. Like if you're going to be about something, be all the way. I got nine functioning bicycles in the garage right now and not one of them are in the same exact category right right? like shades of gray sure but nine of them in my my whole goal over this april shutdown is to ride all of them consistently yeah and so it's been fun man i've been like ride to the grocery store on an old bmx bike and then tomorrow go to the bakery for abby on like a single speed and then mountain bike and gravel bike and each time you get on a different bike is like a different energy to it, but it all comes back to like the same core kind of nice. deal. Nice. I think, so was it like a month ago you did the three bike challenge? It was right, right at the beginning. Yeah, of we did no right on challenge. Yeah. You did this, the three bike challenge. Um, I think we, you need to do a nine bike challenge. One day. One day, nine bikes. Nine bikes. <laughs> you have to ride. And remember. Just you. No, I understand. Yeah. And remember, uh, I said it had to be at least 10 miles or five yeah, miles. I think we can adjust that because like... It has to be at least five miles. Okay. Five miles is like a demarcation line for being a bike ride. I mean, at the end of the day, if you wake up at six and you ride till six, it's not that hard. No, I mean, <laughs> but what I'll do is I'm going to take your crazy and I'm going to crazy it up more. Like you can't just ride a 160 mil travel mountain bike around the neighborhood for five miles no like that bike goes on a rowdy trail yeah it needs period yeah okay so and then uh, a gravel bike has to ride on what you know a gravel 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 gravel. yeah Yeah, like and a bmx bike's got to be ridden in a parking lot spinning bars or at ruby hill or at ruby hill which 
I did that, by the way. Yeah. And how'd it go? Well, um, <laughs> our episode with uh, Andy yeah. came back full tilt. Oh, with the flat pedals versus clips and I was all fucking that. terrified. Yeah. Now I was commuting to the gym, and so I didn't. I, I, I didn't have a helmet on. I was just in a stocking cap because I'm like, I'm going to ride into the gym and I was going to work out. And I shouldn't say that, but sound like an idiot now. I don't think. Yeah, I think it's fine. So, so I went through Ruby Hill and I did the small course with no helmet on and I was terrified. <laughs> Feet slipping off the pedals and I'm like, oh, dude, this is going to end poorly. It's hard. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, okay. So back to this history of second clubs. Um, I want to hit you guys that are listening some cool facts because it, it, it's really neat. So the oldest cycling club that's still going on is in Britain and it's called the Pickwick Bicycle Club. And it's, it's called the Pickwick Bicycle Club because when they founded it in 1870 at this Downs Hotel in London, it was the it coincided with the same time that Charles Dickens died. So it's the most, it's like layer upon layer of the most British bicycle club you could imagine. Any one of these guys sneezes, right? <laughs> I don't know where it's going. I'm, I'm not even going to finish it. Yeah, it is as Brit as it gets. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so Charles Dickens dies. They named their club Pickwick Bicycle Club in tribute to his book, The Pickwick Papers. Okay. Now they really beat this freaking horse with this Pickwick thing. Okay. So they limit the amount of club members to 185. And they do that because there's 185 unique characters in Charles Dickens' book, The Pickwick Papers. To be, First of all, can we just say that's too many characters for one book? <laughs> Dude. So it didn't start at 185. I don't know what it started at. But as people wanted to join the club, one of their rules was you, you can't join the club because all the characters are spoken for. So it's how they capped it, right? Yeah. So then people would get super specific. And like, there's a guy named Martin in this book. I've never read the book. There's a Martin, right? And then there's another Martin who is like the embarrassed Martin. So they really stretched it okay. to get it to 185, right? So if you're a member of this club, then you become one of the characters. So you're that character for the, the length of time that you're a club member. So um, that's how they capped it, and that's how goofy it got. And a lot of these clubs had like some goofy things like that. Um, so there's a long waiting list to join. To this day, there's an active waiting list. And you only get on when somebody falls off. And I don't think they quit by choice. I they think they probably quit. die. Right. So they said that, like, just by default, the uh, the age of the <laughs> cycling club members is probably pretty old. Pretty old, just because it takes forever to get there. Now, they still do rides, um, but it's much more of like a social club. Yeah, it sounds like the, the article that you sent me, like, it took a handful of paragraphs to get to anything about the bikes because they were highlighting the the banquet surrounding all of the the ceremony that goes with this particular right. group of uh, bike riders. Um, yeah, it gets it gets into, again, like why the club superseded the race team because it was much more intertwined in, in their existence than like racing with your bros. I find it interesting, as driven as you are when you ride your bike, that clubs appeal to you because it almost seems like the antithesis of how Justin rides it. Like, Less focus on riding the bike, more focus on hanging out and just like, not that you don't like the bro ride, but like, no, no, I don't like the bro ride. Yeah. Okay, fine. Just so, say it. I don't like the bro ride. Well, but you go on them. I go on them. Yeah. I get my mind right. Yeah. Um, so like uh, tomorrow, 
uh-huh. Abby wants to go on a bike ride and she, it, you know, she's my freaking wife. Right. So like, but I want to be tough to be one of my bros to ask to go on a ride. Right. My wife, like she'd be able to tell me anything. She goes, Hey, uh, so, um, I kind of, you know, I, uh, I'd really like it if like we could go on a long road bike ride together, but like, I know, I know like you would have to go on a ride in the morning and then we could like go on the ride in the afternoon. So like you could kind of ride and like support me without, you know, it being like a race thing. That way you're not getting frustrated because you're not getting your walk. She, cause she goes, I know you need your workout. So it was yeah. like a huge thing. Yeah. So that's like part of the reason that the bro ride doesn't really appeal to me is because if the bro ride is also a training ride, then I'm, it's not going to work for me. Right. No, but much like these cycling clubs where it's kind of about riding bikes, but it's also about like the world around bikes. I think, I think my text message to you the other morning or the other afternoon was, Hey guys, um, can you open up the back door to the clubhouse? Yeah. Because I was out back, like, <laughs> yeah, locked totally. up, right? And so I think of, like, hanging out here at the shop um, and tinkering on silly stuff or talking about, you know, some crazy request yeah. a customer had or, like, like all that stuff feels like clubhouse, yeah. team club stuff to me. And No grown-ups allowed. Right. And, it, <laughs> yeah, like, we have had very few adult conversations in this building. Yeah, they're not. It's not really worth it. You know, <laughs> like um, most of our adult conversations happen over a coffee at like a third site. Yeah, not not the gym, not the bike shop, somewhere else. Um, um, so that's what that's what I think is is cool. But the numbers, like, so the numbers with this, just to uh, on the on the cycling website uh, for this Pickwick Club, you guys can check it out. It says the Pickwick Bicycle Club has an unbroken history as an active cycling organization. And in the worthwhile task of spreading fellowship and conviviality. So it's kind of got this like flowery speech to it. Um, and it, I think it was summed up like the way they did. They would hold these rallies. It's called the Hampton Court. They'd hold these rallies and people would go out and it would be like very Victorian, artsy, fartsy mm-hmm. sort of celebration of the bike ride. They would fit 2,177 riders on a six mile stretch of road for them to like parade their bikes as a big like show of pomp and like, this is who we are. Have you ever driven down federal on a Sunday? I guess not. Um, it's all the, the car guys. Oh yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah. No, you're saying no. Yeah. Same thing, right? Same thing. Yeah. It was, uh, our bike ride yesterday. Andy and I did this gravel ride and on the way back, we're on this like popular highway from Elizabeth back to, um, Castle Rock. And we're getting our doors blown off on bikes. The coolest cars are out. Like Sundays are the best day to see yeah, that's if badass gonna, cars. If you're gonna see cool cars, it's gonna be yeah. on a Sunday. And that was what these guys did with their bikes. It was pretty that's cool. so cool. Um, and then like I put some notes in here about some other clubs. There's this Christchurch Bicycle Club that started. And the reason I noted this one, I thought was really neat. The Christchurch Bicycle Club started in 1876 with a bike merchant, so a bike shop owner, and his three friends. Sound familiar? I don't know what you're talking about. Last year, our no rider on team <laughs> yeah. was you, me, Roger, Roger, Colin. Colin. That was it. That was kind of it. We were the only four that had a kit for the team for purposes. The team. Yeah, yeah. And like working with sponsors, and I use quote fingers. Yeah. Um, you know, we were the four that we pitched, and it was like all of us being a yeah, that was the that group was the group that we pitched to sponsors totally. to yeah. anybody who was gonna support us. So like, hey, we got these four lunatics yeah. that are going to try this thing. And I know you've probably heard of four other lunatics who are probably way more talented across a bigger range than we are, but give us a shot. Yeah. Here's our story. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh and so when i read this i was like oh dude a bike shop owner and his three friends like that's exactly how yeah we started and then and then it quickly grew to 25 or 30 members in the local so i said the local paper reported their weekly club runs and they even did like moonlight runs to an inn so they do like these moonlight rides go to this inn they'd get drunk and sing songs they had a they had like a what do you call that one when you have a song like a team has a song what's that called uh i don't know like a football team, they have like their, uh, like their, their. What the hell? Why am I spacing on the name for that? I don't know. I, I don't think I ever knew the word for it. There's a, no. Come on, I sound like a moron right now. Should I think I know what you're doing. like. I, I anyway. Uh, oh, like a fight song. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, like yeah, a team right. fight song or whatever. So there's right? the problem. I don't give a shit about college sports. Fair enough. It's like a team fight song. Well, don't gotcha. tell Bartle that he'll sing Wisconsin's fight song in the middle of a workout. Um, Gross. But they would have a song. They, you know, they'd get blasted and then drive their their penny farthings home drunk. They had uh, they had all kinds of like rules and regulations, and there was it was a, it was a full deal, man. It was a full deal, and it still is today for for a lot of these clubs. I mean, I've definitely had drinking clubs that had a biking problem. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> back in New Orleans, we had the Nola Bike Gang for like a summer. It was a summer right before I moved here. And so that I, I would guess I would say that's probably the closest I've ever been to like being in a bike club. And um, Roger was a part of that. <laughs> that's hilarious. Because <laughs> we lived in New Orleans. Um, and, you know, I mean, it wasn't there was six or eight of us, maybe. And it mostly involved uh, riding our really expensive road bikes to the bar. <laughs> well, you've got at least that's more cycling than my only ever previous cycling club experience was myself and at the time my, my best bud chris and we were the bad bartman okay and we had bmx bikes <laughs> um this was like before we had like a real we had like walmart bmx bikes you know and um we were the bad bartman and it really consisted of us tearing around town and kicking people's bird baths over and tying fish line ankle high at their doors and ringing their doorbell so you guys were like aching house. You guys were like football hooligans, but on bikes, and there was just two of you. Just two yeah. of us. Yeah. We actually knew how to, uh, you know, like the storm drains. We were small enough humans. We would, if we got into a pinch, we would slide down into the storm drains and hide in there. That's amazing. So, storm drains and bicycles make me think of Paperboy, the video. Game, oh yeah. And how the stupid fucking storm drains would always get you in that game, dude. Always. Do you? I feel like right now, riding the Cherry Creek Trail during this COVID shutdown is Paperboy. I have to admit, I'm not riding outside right now. Yeah, I have my reasons for that, but yeah. Um, so I have no idea what the bike paths are like, but I bet it's. I mean, I bet it's. I mean, so Abby and her friend Aaron came and test rode some bikes at the shop, and they were going to go ride Cherry Creek, and they're like, "We just rode through downtown because Cherry Creek Path was a zoo." And the roads through downtown were empty. Empty, yeah. So it's cra- dude, it's crazy. The uh, this how how busy it is. Um, I finally told Andy at a point on our ride on Saturday. I go, dude, the game now is just let's count how many different modes of transportation that we see right. on the trail. <laughs> like we saw the dude, the, a random shit people are pulling out, bro. There'll be like a guy. With his kid on his kid bike, which is like a wild card to avoid because we're, you know, kids are kids are terrifying. Yeah, to dodge. And then he's on his one wheel behind him on his phone, and I'm like, dude, this like what? I it was, they're just asking to go to the ER. I like the next time 
I wouldn't have been surprised if we turned a corner in Chatfield and saw like two dudes on horses with big giant jousts like going at each other. I'd be like, oh yeah, no, of course. That's what's due next. Freaking dude, so the Christchurch Bicycle Club, we kind of ran through a little bit, but they had a bugler. They had a club bugler. Most of them did. <laughs> so they had club they had buglers because then the captain of the, so there were like rules where like you couldn't ever pass a captain in a club ride. Uh, okay. If you did, there was like consequences, you know. And uh-huh. most of the time, they would race to determine who the captain was. I was gonna say, like, if you could pass the captain, like, you, he shouldn't be the captain, right? And it was kind of, it was kind of like that. Like, kind of reminds me of like, like lines or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, anyhow, they had a bugler because then the captain would give the instructions to the bugler, and the bugler would like cascade like, these like sound the yeah. like they slow were, down, speed total, up, yeah, they were whatever, yeah, oh. agreed upon deals, which. Imagine if we had a bugler. Shit used to be so much cooler than it is now. Right? I mean, the bikes are without a doubt cooler, but... But the culture behind it, because yeah. it was, again, it was their only freaking thing. Yeah. And, yeah, and they I, couldn't text their buddy and just be like, hey, look what I made for dinner. Yeah. Like, yeah. You got to see these, you probably got to see these people once a month. You know what else you can't do? What? We talked about this in episode last year, or earlier this year. You can't text your buddy, hey, man, I'm 10 minutes late to the group ride. No. Yeah, the, you, the yeah. group's gone. Yeah, the group was gone. Sorry. There, and there was like a respect. See that you came, next month. There was a respect that came with that um, for the event or for, for the, the for the club ride for the club and for the club in general. Um, some people took it a little far. This uh, cycle touring club they formed in 1884, and they made their fees so high that there were no uh, what they called undesirables that could join. So basically, anybody who used a pen uh, or a tool for their job, like you're out. Yeah, so they became really uh, in it. I tied in with the Queen at the time, and there were some clubs where they would only allow tricycles because tricycles were uh, considered like classy, and a regular bike was for like a working man. How odd! Now you see somebody on a tricycle, and you're like, "What's wrong with you?" Unless they're, I saw the no, I saw the worst bicycle on Saturday. I'm full judge, (laughs) and this is coming from I rode today. And, um, like I rode today at, at uh, a nice loop. And when I was going up apex, um, I'm a, I'm a pretty quick rider up apex and right. freaking ridden the ride 70 times. This guy passed me today and blows my doors off. I got passed by a Santa Cruz heckler going 15 and a half miles an hour. Oh, the new, the new heckler e-bike dude dusts me. <laughs> and I, well, like, no matter how badass you are, Justin, you ain't climbing apex at 15. Dude, no. And I'm if I'm climbing, I'm climbing at like this point, I'm like seven and a half, which is a good clip That's, through this section, right? Yeah. And I'm on my big bike, and this dude goes, hey, man, on your left. And, I'm, and I like instantly, I get super insecure. Like, am I am, why am I so slow? <laughs> right? Like instantly. And then he passes me, and I see like, that. Oh. And, and then he, he doesn't just pass me. He drops me. Yeah. Anyway, that's not the worst bike I saw. That... I would say that uh, anyway. Go ahead. I saw a recumbent tandem. Yeah, I don't think recumbents are bikes, so it's not the worst bike. <laughs> it's a recumbent tandem. I watched it pass by me, and I go, "This is un- uh, it is unfucking believable." People are pulling shit out of the woodworks. This is, makes no sense to me. So, the recumbents are a whole other thing. Um, I personally don't like them. I feel about recumbents the way you feel about e-bikes. Dude, a recumbent without a flag is a death mobile. Yeah. Um, they're always squirrely and yeah. Um, 
I want to talk about this mountain bike club because all the ones that are in the show notes, somehow these guys didn't make it in uh, to your show notes. We were talking about these these old timey guys with their handlebar mustaches, and I assume they wore like waistcoats and top hats while they totally were. dude full like in knickers and yeah. tweed jackets. Yeah, super. Proper. Which respect. Um, I'm not feeling the the undesirable guys. Those are they're kind of jackasses. Yeah, I mean like. Yeah, whatever. Uh, there's there's local cycling teams that have a little bit of that attitude, so I think some of that ties into our desire to to do what we've done. Yeah, which no, is to not have that elitist um, kind of bullshit. We're better than you because we have shaved legs and a high FTP or whatever. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, pull it up because I left that article kind of for you to steer this. These guys really. They created mountain biking way before the advent of the road bike on dirt that became original mountain bikes in Marin County. Yeah. These guys would take bikes in places that had no business. Well, first of all, let's start with their name is cooler than any of the other ones we've talked about so far. It was the Rough Stuff Fellowship. (laughs) So we'll start there. Um, What is it with all these things starting in England? Well, because, man... the bike, that's yeah. where it really got its kick. Um, so they started in 1955. They're the oldest off-road cycling club. So where we have our first guys we talked about, um, the Pickwick fellas um, being the lo- oldest in general. Um, we have the uh, the Rough Stuff Fellowship guys. They're the oldest off-road. So if they were doing off-road stuff in 1955, they were doing it on some sketchy bikes because the mountain bike, even at its beginning in the seventies, wasn't, I mean, we're still conservatively 15 years away from a mountain bike being a thing. Yeah. I actually got to think, um, and this is, I've read this before, but I've, I've just recently forgot. Um, and the picture of this guy, Burt Williams, I mean, he's a tough old coot. He's got over-the-calf socks, a pipe, horn rim glasses. <laughs> I mean, this guy's just a beast. Yeah, the, they what they rode, you know. Um, now, they were on, I just wanted to look that up, um, the pneumatic tire, like an air-filled tire, yeah. started in the late 1800s. So, like, they were on that, but it, it wasn't what you're – riding on today not by a long shot but they're riding on a lot of roads and trails that are Our still bike trails like here today you I'm know i have to put i'm gonna have to include this particular article in the show notes because the pictures are just super cool like this guy's got basically a touring bicycle climbing over what i, w- I would guess is a 10 foot tall finch on his shoulder um just to get to some more dirt to ride his his wildly inappropriate bicycle on. <laughs> um, so this is a cool article. We'll post this in the show notes. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Brits, man, we got a lot to thank those guys for when it comes to having a group of people we like to ride with. Well, they, um, there was, there was so much that, you know, for the longest time, they're the superpower, right? Yeah. In the world. And so, um, that also comes with, you know, we said, we don't, we don't like that elitist mentality of a, of a, but like to play on bicycles, 
you're already kind of elite, right? Like, I mean, a little because you're not worried about survival today, right? No. Like, you're. It was. Um, I did that road bike ride. I did. I did a century ride um, before Laruda last year, and I remember I was up in Lions, and I stopped at the coffee shop up there, like mile fifty six or sixty or something like that. And this guy in there goes, "Man, where where'd you come from?" I was like, "I rode up from Denver," and he's like, "Oh man, that's crazy. I couldn't." Do-. And he was wearing a Vietnam vet vest, and I'm yeah. like. Dude, I have to go find hard. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, you just lived it. You just lived hard. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're way more badass than I am. <laughs> right, I, I'm going out of my way to be. It, it, you just gave me a challenge to ride nine of my bikes in one day. Like, yeah, that's some privileged shit. Yeah, <laughs> hey, Justin, <laughs> I challenge you to ride nine state of the art carbon fiber, <laughs> highly efficient. Perfectly fitted to your body machines all in one day. You yeah. think you can handle it? Yeah. Yeah. Bet you can't do it. <laughs> uh, I wanna ra- so we can get on this rabbit hole of the history stuff, but um, this guy wrote this book, this Michael Hutchinson. Uh, towards the end of the book, he wraps it up pretty well in this paragraph. I want to read it to you guys because it's why talking about this became like helped to, to highlight why it was important to me. Um, and then what we did next, he says, as he finishes up this book over the last 200 years, cycling has been an extreme sport, a normal sport, a family holiday, a focus for fellowship, a political tool, tool, a fitness craze, a means of going to war, a focus of national pride, a feminist liberator, a driver of manufacturing revolution and a minor perversion. Well, in Paris anyway, I'm sure there are plenty that I've missed. Michael Hutchinson, Recyclist, 200 Years on Two Wheels. Like, the truth is that cycling has been so many different things to so many different groups of people, but it's still two wheels that unites them. And when we talk now about, like, what we did, I think that's the thing is, like, we have these other extenuating circumstances. Like, we have the gym and we have the bike shop and we do have events and races, but at the end of the day, it's like two wheels that unite us. And you made a comment to me yesterday or a couple of days ago that during this like COVID pandemic and what's happening in the world, you're watching parents pull out dusty bikes that haven't been used since before kids. Oh dude, it's crazy, man. Buying a four year old, their first bike, buying themselves helmets. Like, you know, there's a, as crazy as things are right now and complex with understanding what's happening there's a simplicity to the day to day and two wheels are, you know, like you're busy as shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it the things that are getting pulled out and, and, and I, I do think it is cool. I think it's cool that, you know, mostly people, one of the most discouraging things that, that I see at the bike shop are adults that made the decision to start a family and somehow like felt like that meant they had to, to give up all this other stuff. Um, I see it every week. Yeah. I had a kids and I stopped riding and now, you know, blah, 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 blah. They have a 26 inch wheel bike that breaks. Right. Um, <laughs> but right now, because, you know, just what we're seeing with, I mean, I, I honestly can't, like, my hats are off to all the parents who were just turned into teachers overnight. Dude. Um, they're literally sending home the curriculum and like, here you yeah, go. Here, teach. Like, I don't I don't know this though. <laughs> Sorry, no school. <laughs> um and 
in in having to find an outlet for their kids energy they're kind of getting re-excited about pedaling around on a bike and it's pretty cool um there's some bikes that have definitely just been hung in a garage for between two and ten years that are getting pulled out but they're getting pulled out yeah and we're dusting them off and airing them up and looping them up and you know now people can get out with their kids and yeah, you know, who knows? Who knows what comes on the heels of that? You right. know, when life returns to normal, and you know the kids can go back to school. What's the net result of a parent being like, "Man, I didn't have to stop doing that." Yeah. No, I think you're gonna. That's and that's what um, and, you know. We kind of get off tangent here, as we always do. But if the eyes are opened, that's the benefit to our current state. Is mm-hmm. that we can learn a new thing that isn't really new. You just had to be reminded. Yeah, for you sure. Know? I mean, yeah, I, I cook dinner for every, for Abby every night. Well, I used to do that for a long time. And then work got busy and schedules got tight. And yeah. then it became more like, okay, I do it a few times a week. And the rest of the time, survive on your own. Like, bringing it back. And there's nothing simpler than pedaling a bike around. Right. It occupies so many hours and makes it so fun. So, um for those of you listening, the, the purpose of kind of peeling back the cover on this history thing and talking about clubs is because instead of making no ride around something that was for, you know, Harley and I last year, uh, we wanted to make no ride around something that is, speaks to a lot more people, not just through our podcast, but through the community we're trying to build. So with yeah. that said, we started a bicycle team, started our own no ride around team. And so we did differentiate because it is racing centric for sure it's it's event centric right like there was a to to be a part of the team you were you were in our network and exhibited a desire to do an event or to do something with your fitness and then i pushed you to do an event right well and i think uh you know we had um back at the beginning of march we had our inaugural team meeting here at the store where we kind of outlined uh, the mission, the purpose, the thoughts, and I think what I really liked, and I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that other bike teams would probably turn their nose up at this, but what I liked is that we have athletes who are, realistically, they're going to be doing a sprint try, what is it, a sprint try, the, yeah. the short one? Yeah. I always get confused on them, but sprint try, basically on a hybrid bike, because when the try is over... They just want to have a hybrid. Right. And like, cool, whatever. You you want to go do an event. Who knows what happens when you come out the other side. Um, and that doesn't get much further from where you are as an athlete. Yeah, no, the spectrum that we have yeah. is huge. I had a, you know, it's hard when we go through our database of people. You know, I was going through emails and through reports with E3 and through Facebook and my phone. And I'm like trying to look at all the contacts, you know. Yeah, I did too. And we... We miss people. You, inevitably, Sorry, you guys. Yeah, you like, miss people, right? It was so, not at the intent of excluding people. Right. And so I had actually, uh, I learned of somebody I'd missed, and I, I I felt sore about it. I never should have missed this person, right. right? And I did. And when I talked with them, they're like, well, no, I understand, man. Like, you're a hammer. And it's like, if I don't live up to being a hammer, I'm like, no, no, no. no like, no. you missed the whole, the, the distilled down ethos of the team is, to create an environment where no one feels uncomfortable in a 
culture that can make you feel really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. My first bike race, showing up to my first bike race in baggies and like looking around, everyone seems like a super pro. That super pro is not a super pro. He goes to his Monday to Friday, eight to five, just like I do. Mm -hmm. Um, He just had, he just knew what type of clothes to wear. I didn't. Right. You know, he had reps. Exactly. And our, our goal with this is to uh, accelerate the newbies like um, indoctrination into this idea of doing event events that use the bike. Yep. Um, and then also obviously to further those that are further along in their path and help yep. them out. Yep. Well, one of my favorite interactions I had at the the team meeting was one of our athletes. Uh, she, she comes up to me. She's like, uh, she was talking about doing Battle of the Bear, and she goes, "I signed up." She's like, "Is." Is there a different one than the 48-mile one? I was like, yeah, there's like three other versions of that race. She's like, oh, well, I guess I'm doing the 48-mile one because that's <laughs> the one I signed up for. <laughs> uh, dude, and that's, that is the attitude. That's such a good attitude. It's a great attitude. It's just like, well, the, the, the money. And I even said, I was like, you know, if that freaks you out, like I'm sure you can email the race director because at this point the – the race is two months away. Right. Um, I was like, I'm pretty sure you could email and be like, Hey, let me do the cross country, not the marathon. And she's like, Oh, whatever. I'm signed up for it. So I'll just do it. And I was like, all right, go for it. So, uh, I, I'm excited. And man, it, it much like the aged fellow winter event kind of became this living, breathing thing that just had a, a momentum of its own that quite frankly, like freaked me out a little bit. Um, building a team roster kind of had that thing too. Cause I was like, all right, well, you know, and I should have known better cause you don't do anything by half measures. Um, <laughs> but you know, initially I was like, all right, you know, we'll start. It'll be, it'll be me and you and Roger and Colin will probably do an event and probably Andy Chamber. You know, I like had this list in my mind of like not more than 10 people, including us. Right. And what do we land on? Like 29. Yeah. I was going to say 30. Yeah. Yeah. 30. So, <laughs> um, and uh, and then when when the reality of that hit and the reality of the number of people that were doing the same events, like not all 30 of the people on the team are all doing any one event together, right. but there's going to be events where 15, 20 of us are at a start line and that's going to be fucking cool. It's going to be so cool. <laughs> like I like I just got like the little like hair on the back of the neck chill thing going on. Like that's going to be so goddamn rad. Yeah. I, uh, are, are actually, there were a couple of things that you had to do to join the team. A, we, we created like a an invite with people that we have more than just, Hey, this dude buys tubes at the shop right. or this dude takes some classes at the gym. Like right. everyone we invited. And if you're not on that list and you feel like, well, why, why was I not on the list? Everyone that we invited, we've had like a personal, uh, we've been a stepping stone personally in their maturation in this sport right yep. Yep. to like hey i want to get a new bike to i want to try a new ride i want to can you help me train for this thing whatever it may be so the only rules were you had to commit to an event mm-hmm. and that's because i mean we talked about that we've talked about Committing on this to an event just keeps you honest i mean yeah i didn't think that i was the kind of guy that needed an event to keep me honest in 2018 proved otherwise yeah need an event so we made you commit to an event um what we called your a race and you didn't have to, you don't have to be the racer racing. You just have to be the person competing, like your best you. So you had to do an event, and uh, 
We and then you order the kit, right? Like yeah, yeah you have to have the colors. team. You got to have the colors. You got to have team colors. But we did make it in such a way where like there was just a forty-five dollar baggy jersey. Totally. Yeah. Like we, a lot of teams that are here in Colorado and otherwise. I mean, my experience is here. You know, there's a there's a fee to be on the team. Yep. There's a bunch of prereqs. There's a certain amount of some of them have um, like mandatory amount of times you go to the club rides or mandatory volunteer hours. Like it starts to become a bit more like some of these like Pickwick deals where there was a, a constitution of sorts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we made it as, I think it's because we're service people, like both of our businesses are service businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted, as the captains of the team, to serve our racers. So we made it as simple. Like they got cost on all the kits. Yep. Like they, uh, you know, and then the, beyond that, we both, and you big time, we both gave wild discounts out of our own kind of business yeah. practice yeah. to help them get started and get and get the stuff they need to be their best. Yeah. I think from both perspectives, you know, racing isn't cheap by any stretch. There's the, there's just the reality of like a race fee and the logistics. And oftentimes if a race is out of Denver, there's lodging, et cetera. Um, and those are the upfront costs. Those are the costs that every bike racer and everybody who's thinking about doing a race are aware of. Um, the hidden costs are shit like nutrition and bike parts because you're going to be going through so much more of it all of a sudden. Right. As you're, it's just going to happen. If you're doing more miles to prepare for an event, guess what? You're going to blow through way more tires. So it's kind of seemed like the right thing to do to be like, hey, come along for this journey and here's some extra tools. Yeah. And, and to share it because uh, I've heard some horror stories of other clubs or teams that, you know, the the fastest guy or the founder of the team or whatever it may be, like, gets all the dope shit, and then everyone else is just kind of along for the ride. Yep. And um, yep. that's really important to – because I've, I've even had team – other team opportunities, like, from a team management perspective presented to me where you have your riders classified as an A, B, or C – and the A guys are eligible, or, or the A riders are more eligible for more perks than the C riders. Which sucks. That's just stupid, man. That's like, you know, one of the things you always say when we do any of these group rides, and especially at HFL Winter, you were big on that. You said, like, your ride's not more important than that person's ride to them, no matter who that. Yeah. If that person was the double recumbent couple that yeah. I saw, like, their ride was just as important on their Saturday as mine was to my Saturday. If even on a global spectrum, my ride was far more athletic focused. Than right. Theirs. It was more serious. Yeah. But it's, air quote serious, but on who's like, yeah, their ride was just like, they got, they woke up, they ate a breakfast cause they knew they were going to have a long day on their <laughs> right. tandem recumbent, you know, like they prep for it just as much as you prep for yours. Right. And so, um, that's the same part team. So without getting much longer in the tooth, uh, I think it's only fair that we just do a little roll call top to bottom um, because if you're a part of this team, you're, you're a part of this community, you're part of the, what no ride around stands for. And, um, speaking for myself, uh, I'm just, I'm super proud to be able to shepherd a group like this. Yeah. Like I'm humbled by our ability to do this more so than being like, yo, that's our team. It's more yeah. like, dude, it's so cool. We have our yeah. own. We just have a, a, I think we have a really cool group of people and even just looking at the list of the, the wide range of of events that are that are on the list, um, dude. Triathlons to gravel events to mountain bike events yeah. to 
Ironmans and road rides. Like, yeah, it's kind of across the deal, you know. Um, I'm just gonna let you read it off. Let you go. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna read from the bottom. Actually, you take it from the bottom. I'll take over halfway. Okay. Um, so we'll start start at the bottom of the list. We're just going alphabetically. Um, we got Shane Leonard, Rob Steinberg, Matt Oviet, Kristen McAmer, Kathy Crabtree. Uh, I'm going to skip our names. Yeah. Uh, Josh Fleer, John Hart, Hardy, Evan Barron, Eric Fry, Emily Troxler, Emily Colson, Doug McGee. Uncle Mental, Derek Says, <laughs> uh, Dan Swanson, Dan Larson, Colin Smith, Colin Donovan, Chris Irish, Case Cullinan, Karen Cullinan, Brendan Ahern, Ben Hawk, Ben Ellison, Bart Davidson, Chamby, Andy Chamberlain, Alex Indy, and your wife, Abby Holly. Dude, that's our squad, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a group of people. And... You know Ben uh, Ben Hawk. He's been like he's been getting after it, dude. Like just on Instagram, I, I see his rides and, and whatnot. He's been all over the place, man. There's a there are like a couple of types of people in this world, mm-hmm. and Ben's cut from a cloth that like I know for sure that I'm cut from, and I've seen it in you as well. Um, when we get bit by a bug, we turn <laughs> into that bug. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and for Ben, when uh, the ski season stopped. And you had to put the skis away because the resort shut down. Right. Um, he fell into bike early and fell into bike hard. And so it's been cool to see. I'm really proud of that. So we do need to address the 800-pound gorilla in the room, which is not real sure how much actual organized race events are happening this year. Yeah. I so. mean, it's it's anybody's guess, right? Like, it's, it's a safe bet. One of my A events was Battle of the Bear, and it's in mid-May. And I... They, they haven't said, I don't know if they've said anything, but yeah. even if they haven't, right. it's off. It's not happening. Well, yeah, so USAC, right? USAC canceled their... Um, Everything, probably. Yeah, they don't have their... Uh, they're not putting their stamp of approval on any event through the end of May, is what okay. they've said. And everyone else is going to kind of follow suit with that yeah. because they are the governing body. So um, I will tell you this. From what it shows with race directors that I follow on Instagram... And the posts that have been sent out and the emails that are sent out from like um, Bicycle Racing Association of Colorado and whatnot is everything's going to get pushed. Not all of the races will get pushed, but yeah. most of them are postponed. It's going to be a wildly busy August, September, October, and November yeah, when think. you usually shut down. So like, it'll be weird, dude. It'll be crazy because yeah. you have cyclocross is going to want to start and then it's going to be nuts. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, it's. I mean, I'm super bummed. I I kind of restructured where my head was at for going into May, but not my whole plan for where I wanted to be come July and in August. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. So my thought, more so than that, was less about um, what events and where they were going to be pushed, and more about us doing more of our rogue race series yeah, um, and creating some that appeal to our, our more casually involved uh, riders on the team. And that's where at the beginning of this episode, I said, it's kind of a bummer timing, kind of like opening up a second gym two days before <laughs> gyms all closed down. <laughs> Real smart. Um, but we have an opportunity here 
in, in what we've talked about is doing this, you know, doing a race series where the route is out there, go do it, yeah. post it. It's on you. And the ability to do that with club rides as well, uh, team rides and just set the course, set maybe some support mm-hmm. and say, Hey, here's how to do it. We're here at either the shop or at the gym, or we have this location yeah. with some, some refueling and creating just some, um, you know, respecting the the climate of the situation. Right. Right. But also creating some opportunity, just a little, you know, it's, it's our job to just nudge a tiny bit in a safe way to say, Hey, here's something you can do structured. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have number two and number, or you have number two and number three lined out. Yeah. They're built on Strava. And so I was thinking, you know, the weather's getting nice, more consistently nice. So I thought of some rules and then we might just pick a date and then we'll publish it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm pulling up the typer. Okay. So first, the I believe one of the routes that you picked had some green mountain. It had some like what could be mountain biking. It has single track at Green Mountain and at uh, Bear Creek. Okay. So my first thought was just uh, I mean, it's more for us to manage, but whatever. It's it is what it is. What else do we have to do right now? Right. Um, gravel bike category and a mountain bike category. Okay. And then a solo and a duo. Okay. And that's it. Um, we'll pick one weekend that looks like it has fairly consistent weather. Okay. And. You get a 48-hour window to yeah, complete the route. Incidentally, I mean, yeah, you could you could even start with lights. You know, you could start early as shit. That way, if you, like, are super concerned about being around a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, you know, the first leg of it's out on pavement, throw on a set of lights. Yeah. By the time you get to Green Mountain, sun's coming up. Okay, you have to, we're going to, just because the route's on there. Got to be on. It's got to be a Strava recorded time. Yeah, yeah. So you have to have a GPS. Um, it has to be an uploaded time on Strava. And I think that's it. I mean, I don't think that. I think that covers a lot of stuff. Yeah, and what that allows us to do is say, "Hey, here's the race." Now it's on you to fit within your own, like, whatever your own personal. Um, convictions are with our current closures and yeah. how we do it if you want to ride solo ride yeah. solo but this starts from you know uh where where we're going to start from is always it starts and finishes from nixon's right so and they're they're open for business they're, anyway they're open for business and you could park in that area it's neighborhoods and mm-hmm. it's not overwhelming like a trailhead or some yep. of the other negative stuff that's been out mm-hmm. about yeah usage. no i mean it, it to do it this way first of all I have a lot of friends who are super down because they're, they don't feel like there's any early season racing so much so that like it's affecting their whole demeanor, like real bad. And I get it. Like we, so much of what gets us through those winter training months is racing in May. Totally. Um, and or even April, uh, the desert rat race was one that I had some friends who were super jazzed for, um, out in, in Moab and, uh, not happening. Right. right. So guess what folks, people are still racing. It may not be with the number played, and it may not be a big to-do. Um, but I tell you what, Justin and I will figure out 
some swag for first, second, and third in each category. Yep. So um, gravel, solo, gravel, duo, mountain bike, solo, mountain bike, duo. We'll figure out something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely like there is the ability, like we have wildly different speeds, but you and I conceivably could do the duo because you've been helping out at the shop. You know, we're in the same, like, dude, if you have COVID, I have it. Right. Right. Um, like, yeah, exactly. And so like, as long as we don't crowd somebody else, like you and I are safe to do the duo together. Right. So if you have a buddy or a friend or somebody that you ride with or a training partner, that through this, you're seeing them either, if you're an essential business, you're seeing them at work and they ride bikes, grab that mofo. Hey, duo, go do it. Um, so yeah, this is awesome. So when we wrap this episode, we're going to pull our calendar up. Yep. You know, we'll we're just going to pick the date and yep. we're going to put them out there. Uh, we're going to put it on our socials and, uh, and we'll blast them on our personals as well. Yep. Um, and we'll get the word out and we'll set this thing off. This yeah. is going to be great. Um, so yeah, I think we can do it. I think we can do it safe and not for nothing. Um, we can throw a little bit of business to our sponsor, Nixon's. There will be no free coffee at this event. Right. Spend three bucks, support a local business. <laughs> totally. totally. <laughs> and the dude who's making your drink, I just went and had one before this episode. I'd ask him, I go, dude, are you kind of bugged out like being around this movie? He's like, nope, just love making coffee. Yeah. So yeah give him a awesome. buck. Yeah. For sure. Dude, I don't know about you, but I've been tipping like I got just dollar dollar bills, y'all. Like, dude. <laughs> the uh the amount of the amount the humanist movement is super impressive yeah i think a lot of people are down on what's going on and i don't know i see a lot of good in people right now dude i see so much good in people like especially because of where you are so for those of you that live out of state or town or whatever um harley's shop here base camp next to it's a sandwich shop across the streets an ice cream shop next to that's a burger shop and there are people literally like lining the streets yeah. at all times, picking up and buying stuff from these yeah. neighborhoods. And joints. even supporting us. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you like how humbling it was during the first week of um, all this craziness and the ups and downs of us wondering if we were going to be closed and then having the mayor's thing get overturned. And then two days later, have the governor say bike shops are closed. Like, the number of, of customers that have come to us um, who have been like, hey, you know, no time like the present. Let me support you guys. Let me help you out right now. I mean, just like so fucking humbling that people are, are one, in a position to do that. And two, like, will do that for us. Like, think about that. Yeah. Like, they, they, they thought about it, you know. Yeah. Like, literally, people are coming in and like. I don't really need to do it, but I've been kind of thinking about doing it and it seems like the right time to help you guys out. So here you go. Yeah. And that same person like is, uh, they're running out of toilet paper. At home. <laughs> but dude, I went to Costco today. <laughs> you would not believe how much toilet paper is there. Oh, I bet it's just like, are we through the issue? Yeah. I think, I think, I think, well, Costco we are. Okay. <laughs> like they had it down like the freezer aisles, like, you know, quadruple stacked, like, Look like toilet paper forts in Costco, dude. I mean, um, but yeah, I think, and I, th I think we're seeing that with a lot of businesses um, across the board, right? Yeah. The the ones that are able to be open, people are tipping a little bit more generously and being like, ah, maybe I wouldn't normally like get delivery, but the hell right. with it. So, um, in the midst of all that, I do think to 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 use your word, the humanist side of it is is really fucking cool. 
So let's keep that in mind when we when we launch this race series. Um, keep that in mind when when we hit green light on this and you're out there doing it. Um, smile at the person you pass by. Um, I got so discouraged being out there on the trails and you like say hi to people and they they, they kind of turn away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, wave at them. Say hi to them. If you're wearing if you're part of Team No Rider on and you're wearing a damn kit, you better be two things at once. Um, impressively athletic. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Also super freaking cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like nobody's Oakleys are too dark to to, to acknowledge a, a wave, right? Totally. Oh, and you know, rider on guys, the kits all do get delivered tomorrow. You are to open those with tongs and expressly place them directly into your washer. I know. To get I know. Like up. I saw mine show. <laughs> I saw the shipping notification. I was just like, Am I just gonna leave it sit for like three weeks? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like pull it out, like it's wash a, it extra hot. Yeah, I mean, I want you to get the suit that Doc Brown wore in the first Back to the Future. <laughs> that's <laughs> how you remove it, because I don't want to be responsible for you know your skin falling off. Um, with that said, guys, I think this was really cool. I, I loved going into the history of this to let you know kind of where this this comes from. Each of these these bikes that you get to ride or these events you get to do, they started, you know a couple hundred years ago um, with an energy that I think is still prevalent today for those of us that understand what we're doing, which is playing on toys yeah. and just yeah. seeing who can play on toys, toys the fastest. Yeah. Uh, well, cool guys. Thanks for listening. Um, stay safe, stay healthy, stay positive and uh, talk to you next time. You're done! So get the fuck out!